What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back with another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 51. We're bringing in the new year with some of that good old, good old, good old heat, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are all far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad that you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. You guys know what you got to do. Like, subscribe, hit the notification button. Do all that fancy stuff, man. Make me a part of your life. I, I want to be with you. I want, I want you to be with me. We deserve each other. So let's go ahead and make that happen, man. Apple, Spotify, it's Mr. Fulton Long on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Fanatic Views. Like our stuff, man. Go and see it. This content is great. But y'all know how I like to get down. I like to get uh, my motivation in the beginning. Because let's be honest, a lot of y'all are not going to be here to the end. And that's okay. I'm not for everybody. But before you go, make sure you listen to three episodes, 15 minutes apiece. Uh, and after that, if you don't like what you hear, find three more episodes to listen to and continue to do that. By the time you see this one, there'll be 51 of them out there. By the time you do that, you should be able to fall in love with me. Uh, but I got something special for you guys today. But let me get this off first. Let me get my motivation off first. And, and then we're going to get to what I got to you guys special today. All right, here's what I got for you guys. You ready for this one? Here's where it goes. There are some people next to you who can't see how big you are because they're so close to you. Sometimes people have to watch from afar to recognize that they're standing next to a giant the whole time. You're a giant. You're a big deal. You're a big business. Don't let those folks that standing around you shade your growth. They, 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 they might have seen you. Oh, you might be little so-and-so from the neighborhood. Or you might be little so-and-so, you little cousin, little bro, but you're colossal. You're big. You got to stand on that and stand like that and let people watch your greatness from afar. Then they'll see just how big and how great you are. All right, let's get into this thing, man. And my guest, you talk about a big time guest. This is my dog. This is my friend. This, 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 is, this is one of my favorite humans in the world, man. Three-time Super Bowl champion, six-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, HBCU Hall of Famer. My partner in crime on Hanging with the Boys, the great Nathaniel. Big dog, big nasty. Yeah. New, what's up, brother? I'm good, Jess. I like that motivation, man. I, Thank you. I really do, bro. That, that, that was, that's touching there because a lot of times – you know, uh, you you doing what you got to do, and you trying to make things uh, happen in this world, man. And uh, the people around you will keep you small if you let them. But if you got to branch out and get uncomfortable sometimes, yeah, it grow. There you yeah. go. Look, yeah. come for the word, stay for the sports. <laughs> yeah, that's how we do it here, Nate. Man, I'm yeah. you know. I'm going to jump right into it, man. Okay. You know how we're going to do it. I'm going to jump right into it. Okay. And this, this is my boy, so we can have yeah. a conversation. So right. I'm jump right into it. Yes. The White House. No, I'm playing. No, I'm oh, playing. Yes, no, no. You want to get right into it? <laughs> make sure you got some protection. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> you want to make sure you got some protection, man. Cover yourself. I'm going wherever no. you go. I'm going wherever no, you go. No, 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 man. Yeah. But, but, you know, let, let's, let's kind of start from... And, and I think this is an important and I think it's an interesting conversation uh, coming from Florida. Right. You get into the college situation and you decide to go to FAMU. Right. right. Um, just kind of I want I want you to give a perspective from where HBCUs were looked at back when you were coming out to just how much they, of course, good friends with Deion Sanders. He's yeah. at Jackson State. You see yeah. more of what the HBCUs have become. But just kind of give me that feeling of what it was like at the time to be a part of the HBCU in your uh, college days. I'm, I'm going to tell you, this, back when I was coming through, well, before me, with my parents, our parents, well, you, you had no other choice. That was your only option was, was the black college scene. Well, when I came through, it was an option, but you had to choose that option. When you put all the buttons up there, it was Georgia, Alabama, you know, Florida, Florida State, and those were the schools that everybody wanted to go to. So you had to go over there to the other side, other options, FAMU, Jackson State, Grambling, Alcorn. And I was raised in a black household, a black neighborhood, went to a black um, elementary. So everything about me, I, I, I did not, this is funny to me because when I hear white people say, I, I, I was eight years old before I saw a black person. Well, I was nine years old before I saw a white, white person. person. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a police officer or a school teacher. Right. So 
I'm like, I'm, I'm you, vice versa. And so when Georgia, Alabama, and all these schools started coming to me, I reached out to my coach who went to Florida and them. I said, man, fam, you haven't even called me. Grambling was the only person that offered me. The other black schools didn't. I'm like, coach, what, what is it? I mean, I'm not good enough for, I'm good enough for Georgia. I'm good enough for Florida, Arizona State I had committed to. And he called up fam, and the coach told me, Coach Rudy Hubbard said, man, we just thought you was automatically going to go to a bigger school. But I was raised up, fam you, Bethune-Cookman, the classic. Every year, I'm jumping the fence half the time because the money <laughs> my dad gave me, I won't go buy no ticket. So I'm jumping the fence with the rest of the fellas. Right. So you had to almost choose this, especially if you were a gifted black athlete. You had to almost choose fam you or, or bethune cookman or jackson state you had to want to go there because that was in your blood that was just in my blood uh the difference between the bigger major universities and almost anything is back in my day and even today we make things event we don't we don't go to a football game and fall in line with the regular cheers and right. you know give me a H and give me you know we got we got them Q dogs steps we got them yeah. cowboys the yeah. the AKAs the Delta we got everybody we it's it's Shout it's an event. You are my favorite. Shout out to the AKAs. They're my, they're my <laughs> okay, favorite. I'm okay. sorry. The girls with the pink on. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh, oh. They just do and, something to me. Yeah, but see that is the thing. Is football games were event where. If your t- football team wasn't no good, your band was going to be perfect. So it was the battle of the band. So, you know, if the game was going uh, shady during the game, halftime we had something to look forward to. We, we knew our band was going to challenge your band. So everything was an event, and no matter what it was. Even going to classes sometimes was an event because you, you have some people out there stepping up, something going on, somebody that said something crazy, or did, does, you know. So it wasn't your typical, you know, punch the clock. Not at, not, at a, not at a black college. Now, I don't know if it's like that today. But back when I played, it was a choice that you had to make, a conscious choice, and everything was more of an event. And it meant yes. something to you, right? Yeah. Like, oh, like, like yeah. it meant something to you. When, when you went back home and you said, hey, I'm, I'm at FAM, everybody gets so excited. I'm at Bethune, everybody gets so excited. Even though you was uh, enemies, to the, to the hilt, and still to this day, I ain't got nothing for them baby country chumps. Uh, <laughs> But that's, that's, that, that was in your blood. That's who you were. That was your community. And, that, and that's how you lived. Do you feel like if, fast forwarding to 2023, do you feel like, because, I mean, you look at the big universities, right? You look at your Alabamas. You look at your Georgias. You look at, I mean, you name the, you name the Power Five, the PWI, whatever. It, it is fueled and it is run and it is promoted on the backs of black athletes, right? right. right? Like, but right. we're talking about football, right? right. It, it, it's, it's, it's a 75, it 80% that is black yeah. by the black athlete. Do you feel like if more of the talented black athletes from Florida, Georgia, Bama, Texas, if you, if those, and I know, I know that we live in the NIL day money, right? This is NIL money day. But if you feel, do you feel like Things would be different if those athletes committed more to the HBCUs, more to the Jackson States, more to the Alcorns. Like, like how would that how would that change the dynamics in your opinion of college football, college athletics in general? Me and you both know it ain't, it ain't today. It's nothing about what the color is. The only color they worry about is the color of your money and what. And if you want things to change for Florida and m Bethune-Cookman, Jackson State, the SWAC, the MEAC, you know, you're going to have to, as alumni and as boosters, start putting your money where your mouth at. See, this is one thing you cannot ask of a child or of a parent of a child because they have great talent. You can't ask them to sacrifice, hey, just do it for us. That, them days are over. In the world of what you're going to give me, you cannot say, hey, Jess, you're the best uh, guy. You know, we want you to come to uh, North Carolina A&T. And North Carolina is offering you $1,000 a week. Hey, man, we'll give you $1,000 a week. Come on over here. And I'm not at North, and I'm at North Carolina A&T and not even going to say, hey, man, we can't give you 1000 
but we can give you two. Or we can give, because I would not ask you, Jesse, to be loyal without some type of commitment from me. Right. And this is what blacks are asking their people to do. Hey, commit to me. Well, what is the commitment? Because what we told the NCAA and what we have always told the NCAA as blacks is uh, you were doing us wrong. We can't do what we want to do. We can't spend any money. We can't have any money. We can't do this. You hold us back. Well, you, that ain't the issue no more. That ain't the issue no more. The issue is everybody's on equal footing. Now, are you willing to build your program and direct your dollars to those athletes that you're asking to make a sacrifice? You got to do it. This is a new world we live in. This, you know, and you blacks, parents, guardians, you are teaching your kids to be about self. They want their money. They want to be loved, and they want special conditions. Yeah. If you're not willing to give that, and I'm talking about the HBCU, I call them black colleges. I ain't changing. You black colleges that want that, get your boosters and your athletic directors and everybody funneling that money, funneling that program, because Georgia does not ask you to, uh, hey, man, they mix both. At FAM, I know for a fact, they don't want to mix sports and education. Well, you can't go to Alabama and talk to Nick Saban and Nick Saban say, well, what's your major? What you believe in? Because he believes that if you're trying to be, and I'll give you a perfect example. We got time. Yeah, we got time. My son was in business communications. Trey. Trey, my okay. oldest boy at Texas. And I hope I got this story right. Maybe the, the program he was trying to get in is wrong. Uh, he went to coach. He said, man, Coach said, boy, you're about to graduate. You know, you're going to get your master's? He said, yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to get into this program. Coach went over there. Said, hey, 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 man, this one of our kids. You know, he needs to be in here because he'll be a great representative, not only for our football team, but a great representative for your program. My son didn't let him down. They love him to this day. If you're not going to mix your education with your sport, you, you, you're doing your, your school a disservice. I've always questioned fam. You, you, you don't want to mix sports, but all the teachers at the football game, if they're winning, all the teachers at the basketball game, if they're winning, but, you too, but you're too good to bring these students, athletes, student athletes in. So what I'm saying to black people, people that are over black programs, take the black thing a little further. You know, take it a little further. And I ain't talking about your skin color. I'm talking about what's in, the, what's in your back pocket and what's in your bank account. Yeah. Okay. No, uh, no I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a great answer, man. Like, you know, my, uh, it might be even biblical. You're talking about, you know. <laughs> but, but, you know, where, where, your, where your interest lies, your heart lies. And where yes. your heart lies, your money will be there. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's you, right. You're you going to put your money where that heart is and where your interest lies. Yes. So if you want those programs to kind of grow and grow and grow, Alumni, boosters. Because it's on people. equal footing. Yeah. You, you finally have figured out, and thanks to the NCAA, they have put you on equal footing. The reason Georgia, Bama, and all these guys, before they came out with this new rule, the reason they was winning because they could, hey, what, what you need? We can get your mama a job. We can help your daddy. We can do this right here. Hey, you want something? See, I didn't understand at Georgia when they said, hey, man. What can we do for you? <laughs> I, my brother, who was behind me, understood. Right, right. You know, he got a whole lot of money. <laughs> but me, I'm like, what you mean, sir? No, I'm good. I'm going to fam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get some Popeye's chicken. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll speak for me. I, I remember yeah. going through the recruiting process. Yeah. And, and I ended up at University of North Carolina, you know, a PWI. Mm. I knew. I knew. Oh, okay, yeah. There was two reasons. One. I knew I couldn't handle an HBCU. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> As a young Jesse was easily distracted. Right, right. By what they had to offer at HBCU. Yes, sir. You know, the, yes, the sir. AKA, the Deltas. Yeah. Like, the, 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 uh. the, the, I was easily distracted. Right. And then I came to, if I was going to the South, once I found out about in the South, 
I would have been even more distracted. They go, well, come on in. Let me give you some of this cornbread. Right, 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 right. The kind on the stove. Right, not that's the other, right. Not the kind on the... Not the <laughs> right, right. But that cornbread, too. And I was like, I said, oh, I couldn't handle that. Right. So I was like, I need, I need to go to another... And then it was, for me, it was the facilities, right? Like, the University of North Carolina, when I went, they flew me out on a private jet. Right. Like, yes. I was like, what, do you, what wow. do you tell a kid from the inner city of New Jersey... When I got to go to Teterboro Airport, and I didn't know it was a Teterboro Airport at that point in time, right. my grandmother knew. She said, well, I put a private plane for our plot. I said, oh, private planes? I ain't never been on a plane before in my that's life. Right, that's you, right, that's right. Wow. You want to put me on one of the little ones? The, right. The G's? Right. And I was like, oh, okay, this is different. And, and that, you know, but, but I agree with you. I, I, I agree that, that the money could, could balance. It's tough because Texas and Texas A&M, my guy Tay, he's, a, he's, an, he's an Aggie, but that, that oil money longer. That's right. That's long oil money. Uh, but, it, but again, you know, even, even when you buy the athletes, it doesn't necessarily equate to wins. You can look at Texas You still got to put a program together. put a program together. And all that. I understand that. But, yeah. But, brother, great coaches have great players. We talk about it on our other shows we do. Yeah. And, and the greater your players, all you have to do now is manage attitudes and characters. You know, you ain't got you know, you to manage that talent because it's already it's there. It's already there. Yeah. All right, so, so transitioning from – FAMU, um, you do your time at FAMU, and then now it's NFL time. USFL time. USFL time for you, <laughs> yeah. that's right. So just kind of just walk us through that process of the ending of FAMU to the transitioning to, to the USFL. Like, like, what was that like? This was funny because I missed the, the USFL draft because they had territorial, territorial drafts. Mm-hmm. So – uh, the Bandits, who I pl- eventually played for a couple of years, they had all Florida teams. So you could not, unless it was a first-round pick, I think. But other than that, you could not pick out of that area. You couldn't pull those kids from that area. We automatically went to the Tampa Bay Bandits. Like Alabama had the Birmingham Stallions. They automatically had all of kids in Alabama. And so I missed it. I stayed in school and went free agent to the Washington Commanders. And so got cut from the Washington Commanders, the last cut, and went back to the USFL. And so when I went back to the USFL, uh, I had Coach Steve Spurrier as my, as my head coach, and I, uh, what, was, what was Reeves' name? But anyway, he's a quarterback from, from Florida, Reeves. And uh, he, he was our quarterback, and Eric Trevillians, I, I played with him at FAM was our star wide receiver, Ron Simmons, the wrestler. Yeah, yeah. He was there, you know, just a bunch of guys. Played with my best friend, Tony Hayes, back, you know. And I had Gary Anderson as my running back. The NFL missed a treat. <laughs> I miss the NFL missed a treat. Gary Anderson from, uh, from Arkansas was a beast. Ran about a 4-4, flat, maybe a four, I mean, on a good day, probably a 4-3 something. Right, right, right. He was special. Yeah. But anyway. A lot of great dudes back then, man. Uh, that's how I learned how to play football. I wasn't going to make the NFL uh, unless I went to the USFL. I had to learn how to be a pro. I had to learn how to – the speed of the game, uh, the knowledge of the game. Coming from fam, I wasn't used to guys shifting around, moving around, or changing plays. All that stuff threw me off. You know, not that I couldn't learn it, but it just had never been exposed to it. And uh, it hurt me. And that's why I got cut from the commanders, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then I came to uh, the Tampa Bay, and I, I can't think of Marty's last name, but he was the offensive line coach, and he helped me. He also had to get on me because I was so immature, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so, oh, you talking <laughs> about a dude. I maybe didn't grow up until I was about 49. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't probably grow up until I was about 49 or 50, man. <laughs> I, I, I've been blessed. Yeah. I, man, God is – Fools, God would take care of fools. fools and I babies. was one of them, bro. I was one yeah, of them. God take care of and fools, so, and fools yeah, and babies. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Marty just cussed me out one day. He like, man, we called the Washington team, and and the, and the coach say how great a player you is. They see all the potential written all over you, but you're a damn idiot. <laughs> I'm like, I looked at him like, yeah, coach, yeah, coach. I heard this before. I, yeah, just let me out of here so I can go. But I had to. Does to get me 18 wins? <laughs> but I finally grew up, man. Yeah. I finally grew up. I finally matured. Got here with the Cowboys, and man, I, I thought I would be home. I only had two weeks left. 
the, before training camp was over. It was out in Thousand Oaks, California. And I told a young lady who I was with, and I said, I'll be home in two weeks, but I have a signing bonus or something, <laughs> you know, because they're going to cut me. Here we sit, bro. And you, you stay. Yeah, year later, she back at the crib, and I married a new woman. And hey. <laughs> All right, so let's transition to that, right? Yeah. You know, it's FAMU, it's USFL, it's cut from the commanders, and then now you're in the land of Texas. Yes. Right? And you're playing for legendary coach Tom Landry. And, wow. I mean, the Cowboys now weren't the Cowboys then, right? Like, no. t- t- today now we're talking about the most recognizable, richest franchise in yeah. all of sports, any sport right. across the nation. Um, but that time, but there, 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 was some, there was some dark times then. Yes, there, it was. There was some dark times then, the end of the era of Tom Landry. Yes. Uh, you know, the quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and so let's, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. What was it like? I mean, because when you think about it, you probably, not probably, you played, you played for three of the most legendary coaches, Joe yeah. Gibbs in Washington, yeah. shortly. Right, shortly. Tom Landry. Yes. And then we'll get to the third one. Right. That, that's going to be an important one. We'll get to and that third one. Don't forget about Barry. And, oh, that's right. Four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot about Switzer, yeah. yeah. Switzer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, of yeah. course, Jimmy Johnson. Right. And we'll dive more into the, into the Jimmy Johnson. But Tom Landry, like, like, what was it like playing for Tom and, and kind of his tail end of his career? Mystique, bro. Mystique of Coach Landry. I used to watch him as a kid. I was, I've been a Cowboy fan since I was 10, 11 years old. So I used to watch the man in the hat and to get to see him up close, man. And, you know, and to think that he didn't know you, he, he knew all his players. And he watched you. And he watched what you did. And he knew who you was. You may have thought that he didn't. And he, he probably questioned his coaches heavily. You know, who is this guy? What is he about? You know, what do you think about him? And he knew you, you know. I didn't think he knew me. Nathaniel? I'm like, oh, nobody called me Nathaniel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, he was special, man, because he called everybody. Until you made the team a couple of years, he called you by your number. Okay. 67. 67, that's what I worked when I first got here. But I, I just admired him because I'm telling you, when I first got here, I told a young lady I was coming home, and I had I said, Coach Landry, I know I may not make your team, but can I get a picture with you? So I took a and I lost the picture. Oh, Lord. And then he signed a picture, and I lost that picture. I was like, oh, man. Coach, coach your Landry. fam, you coach was. You know, your, 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 your Tampa Bay coach was right. You are an idiot. <laughs> you got two pictures. Well, the one he signed, and you lost, yeah. you lost both of them. Yeah. You lost both of them. No, like, probably that young lady back in probably, Tampa got it. It won't, show, it won't get it up. That was a parting gift. Yeah. That, that, that was yeah. a parting gift yeah. right there. But, wow. okay, so you go through the Tom Landry, uh, you know, days, and then there's a change coming. There's a change that are coming, right? And it's this young dude from Arkansas who buys the team. Yes. And, and, and things begin to shift. Yes. And, and you go from what you used to know and, and this mystique and this legendary coach, and Jerry Jones comes in and he goes, you know, thank you, nice man in the fedora, but I'm going to tip my fedora to you and send yeah. you yeah. on your way. Right. And in comes – Jimmy Johnson. And that ultimately changed your career, your yeah, life. Yeah. And it changed the trajectory of the Dallas Cowboys. This was a franchise when Jerry Jones took over this franchise, and he's reported saying that we were losing a million dollars a month. It was bleeding money. It, it, you know, it, it was far from the days of what it was with uh, you know, Roger Stallback and, and, and Bullet Bob and those 70s teams. And it was bleeding money. Right. And there needed to be a change. That's right. And, and it needed to be a change fast. And here, here, in comes this hot shot, not pro, not pro coach, not someone from the USFL, but in comes this, I want to call him young, yeah. hot shot coach yeah. from the University of Miami, college yeah. football ranks, into the Dallas Cowboys. What was one of, the, what was one of your first impressions of Jimmy Johnson? He wasn't playing, man. He came in straight up, uh, letting us know, you know, first of all, Mike Irvin was his little 
messenger boy. You know, it's like a mob. You know, yeah, Michael little, Irvin was a great hit, receiver, yeah, all-American receiver, yeah, yeah. winning national championship at Miami. Yes, we had a little mob hit guy running yeah. around <laughs> writing a list of people who he wanted cut immediately when Jimmy got here. He was axing dudes and offing dudes. Dudes just disappeared. No, and Mike did tell me this a year later that he gave Jimmy a list to cut certain guys. I'm like, wow. Wow. And so he told me, say, man, Nate, you got to be in shape. You got to do this. Man, I'm telling you, you can play, man, but Jimmy ain't going to be joking. Jimmy's hard, but he's fair. You're going to love him. We're going to win when Jimmy get here. And, and it took us a couple of years, but, my, but Jimmy was just so focused, man. If he didn't see your ability – and you didn't stand out, I mean, you had five or six plays. When he looked at the thing, you had five or six plays to say, oh, yeah, I make him do something with him, or I can develop him, or he'd be like, nah, this dude gone. And he had a little dude named Bruce Mays. We used oh. to, uh, you remember Bruce? Yeah. Oh, man, we used to call him uh, the crib keeper. Yep. You know, and, uh, and, man, you just, every day, you know, Bruce got, until we got comfortable, Bruce was a feared man. Because you never know, because Bruce would never really smile, and then he had this toupee and all of this stuff, and sometimes he'll take the toupee off, and you'd be like, wow, Crib keep at his best. You know, and so, but Jimmy was did so Bruce stand at the door? Did Bruce stand at the door when y'all came in, take attendance every day? Yeah. He did the yeah. same thing when yeah, I was Yeah, he did that Cowboys. early, man. The thing, the thing that Jimmy wanted to know was who was for real and who was what, who wasn't. And he allowed you to be a jokester. If that was your character, he allowed you to be you as long as it did not interrupt the work period of the day. If it was 8 to 10 and it was team meetings time, you couldn't be in there messing around, sleeping, joking, playing. He wanted you focused until he got this team where he wanted it. Then a little bit of that could creep in, but not even much then. Jim, whereas with Coach Landry, when I first got here with Coach Landry, you as a rookie just didn't speak. You know how you tell you, I want my kids to be uh, seen, seen and not, not heard. heard. And that was for real with Coach Landry. Yeah. You wasn't talking. You weren't going to play. You was going to uh, earn your keep. Your, like I said, you was a number right. and not a name. And you you had your pecking order. They didn't want you out uh, doing appearance. Like the kids do appearances and, you know, these little things. Oh, that one happened. Yeah. They were shutting that down. Yeah. You had to earn the right to have all these little extras. Well, when Coach Johnson came in, he kind of kept it to a minimum too, but as long as it was about you. Remember the Belichick? Yeah. As long as you're talking about you right. and nobody else, I'm good with you. But now if you're going to do something that's going to affect this team, like, you know, try to sell, sell something. Cause one time we tried to get together and say, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, we're not going to do that just yet. We got to start winning a little bit more before we get together and start trying to sell up on something. And he meant that. So he, he was going to get rid of whoever that ringleader was trying to <laughs> put this group together. Right. That person was gone. Yeah. And so he was focused, man. Coach Johnson was verbally focused. He was uh, and out physically focused. And everything he did was uh, – about how he wanted it done. He had a way and an order that he was going to do it. You know, talk about Jimmy Johnson as a coach. He comes in, like you said, he, ha he has this mentality of we're going to win yeah. at all costs. Right. Right. And, and if, you're, if, if you're a part of that, great. If you're not a part of that, oh, well. Like yes. that's, just, that's just what it's going to be. Um, talk a little bit about kind of roster construction, like some of the guys that you thought – of course, Michael Irvin, but right. some of the other guys that Jimmy brought in that you that you knew had an immediate impact on the way that this team had changed from the inside out. Let me let me tell you this here. When they brought in Eric Williams, I used to talk to Mr. Coach John Wooten. You know, he was the GM, kind of a GM guy, head personnel guy. We used to walk. You know, he used to, they used to always be on me about staying in shape. So me and Mr. Wooten used to walk Valley Ranch. I said, man, Mr. Wood, man, I know y'all always on me, but who y'all bringing in here this year? He said, man, I found this dude at Central Ohio. Oh, he's from, he's from Philly. This dude is a beast. And they, he's mean. He's going to either play right tackle or left tackle for him. I love him. That next draft, man, I think Coach Wooden had to be fussing. He went to fussing with Jim and him. 
You know, because if you believed in a player, Jimmy wanted you to stand up on the table for him, especially if it was a, a later-round pick guy. And I think Eric was a third or fourth-round pick, and Wooten stood up on him. We cannot let Philly get this guy. Philly's going to get this guy. He's a, he's a game-changer. Man, Eric William came in here. I remember Eric, man. I used to sit right next to him. I'm sitting here. Eric sit right here, you know. First year, he wouldn't say much or nothing. Big E, Big Eric, what's up, man? What's up? Nothing, nothing. He said, man, I'm going to be quiet this first year. The next year, I'm going to make my move. He just told me that just to come. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So the only playing time he got that year was they put him in at left tackle going against, I think, Ken Harvey. He played for Phoenix back in the day, and he played for the Washington Commanders. And he got the best of Eric. Eric was a rookie. But the next year, now I'm playing right tackle. And Jimmy walked in and said, Eric's our right tackle. Now I'm playing right tackle. <laughs> you think about old girl, hey, you know what? I know I said two weeks ago before, I'm, I'm really coming home in two weeks right. now. But anyway, that's another story. But yeah. <laughs> Eric changed right then. I'm saying when he said, Eric is my right tackle, I'm still sitting next to Eric. And we was getting ready to play a great player. I can't think. He played opposite Derek in Kansas City. Uh, Smith or something. And he was an all-pro defensive end. And I was telling Eric, you know, Eric said, I want you to watch film with me. And Eric watched the film. He listened to me the whole just watch this, watch this, da-da-da, this, da 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 Neil Smith. Neil Smith, yeah. He, he, he looked at me, I'm telling you, and I'm telling you exactly what he said, man, he said, Nate, you're giving this dude too much damn credit. I said, what? I said, Neil Smith, all pro. He said, I don't give up. You can cuss on this. Yeah, 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 but I'm not, know, not know, that know, word, know, not that word, not that four-letter word. I got you, I got you. He said, nah, he said, I don't give up. He said, I'm going to beat the hell out of this dude. <laughs> he said, by the, <laughs> he said, by halftime, third quarter, I'm gonna look over the edge, you know. I'm gonna nod my head. The first quarter, you heard something like, "Hey, man, you can't do that, man. Quit putting your hand in my face, man. Shut the hell up." That what Eric was telling him. Play ball. And then you heard something, a crack, pow, like a gunshot, pow. You heard that a couple of times. I'm looking over there. I'm looking at Big E and Big E ain't looked at me. Man, by the third quarter, Ralph, he can't be doing that. Big E looked at me in the huddle. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> and from that day on, he just went to dominating players. I'm talking about the physicality that this dude played with. And after the game, I said, E, what did you do? You know, I know you was, you know, poking him all in the face and punching him and that. He said, Nate. I headshotted him. I said, what's a headshot? He said, man, I grabbed him. I got my, finally got my hands inside. I grabbed him and just brought his helmet to mine. Mm. Pow! Like a ram. <laughs> I like, he's, I said, you gonna, he said, no, nah, I, I know how to do this. <laughs> and man, every player, it didn't matter. I, I remember Reggie White used to have that hip toss. Yeah. We was watching film, we was watching film. And he looked at me. I said, he had that look about him. I said, what, what's up, E? He said, I done figured it out. He ain't no more hip tossing here, baby. Ain't no more hip tossing here. Reggie didn't toss him no more. Big E figured that thing. He watched enough film. Remember how many of you talk on our other show about guys who would watch that extra film? Yeah. Big E was that dog. He, is this, he was this far from the Hall of Fame. But anyway... You asked about players that right. made a difference. Right. Big E made that difference. He set the tone. We were already a grinding team with North Turner, but we became a dominant physical team. And then when they brought in Larry Allen, lights out. It was over. It was over. We was not going to be dealt with. So who, who would you say on that offensive line? Because it was you, it's Big E, it's Larry Tuane. Allen. Tua I mean, you. Yeah. Who, who was like who, – who, who was the guy – 
that was just the nastiest. Like the dude that you, e. you ain't want to see him. You ain't want to see him e. in, the bl- in, the, in the alleyway. Larry was just going to silently kill you. And when the game was over, you're just going to be like, I don't want to play him no more. That's Larry Allen. He was just going to look at you. He wasn't going to say nothing to you. He's just going to beat you to death. Big E was going to not only beat you up, he's going to throw you on the ground. He was going to spear you. He was going to elbow you. It was just going to be, you're going to have bruises, places you didn't even think. Right. He was going to headbutt you. He's going to mess you. What's that? Uh, what CTE? You, yeah, he, he CTE the whole bunch of dudes. <laughs> and so I'm telling you. So I'm going to tell you one game we was playing. Dude played Philadelphia. Oh, man, you may have to look this up too, sir. Uh, he came from Houston. Uh, defensive end. This dude came to the club after the game looking for Big E. Oh, yeah, Big E beat him to death in the game. Yes, sir. And I wish I, wish I could remember that. But, bruh, uh, Big E was the difference maker. Big E, just like the dude for the 49ers, the left tackle. Trent Williams. For, that. that yeah. Take Trent off the field and they lose games. Right. You can lose Debo Samuels. You can lose Chris McCaffrey. But as long as you got 71, you got a chance to win. <laughs> as long as we had Big E, yeah. we had a chance to win, bro. So you think about that offensive line is constructed. You add pieces, right? And, uh, the, the next year you bring in – because you go 1-15. Yeah. Right, right. Right? You go 1-15. Yeah. You bring in Troy. You got Emmett, you yeah. got Michael. Yeah. And now this thing is starting to happen, right? You, right. you, you got an established offensive line. You got – now you got your quarterback, you got your receiver, you got right. your running back, and things take off right. in, in, the, in the kind of the year three of this yes, Jimmy Johnson era, right? Because yeah. I think it was it was one and fifteen, seven and nine, or nine and seven, something like that, right. and then it was eleven and five. Right. Was there a moment where you, as a player, or the locker room, or the guys were like, "This it, the, the, like this is this is the team that we can actually win with. This is a team that." And I, and I get, and I get Jimmy it. said it first. I mean, we started the season, I think, one and two that year. And we went to rolling. I don't know what game it was, but it was a game that we won, and it just changed who we was. Because Jimmy, Jimmy stopped forcing that. Y'all are good. This is what we have to do. Jimmy went from all-out physical, all-out just getting after it, to, okay, clean up your game. No penalties. Better techniques. No penalties. Do this right here. See yourself. I mean, I'm like I'm talking to you. Yeah. See yourself making the play. We don't worry about big plays. We are great athletes. He was telling Mike, no, we are great athletes. We're going to make the big plays. I don't need the little dumb plays. He just started mental toughness. We go on the road. That's our house. We don't want to win but by one. You hear me say all this at one point. I don't care if we win by one point. I get this from Jimmy. All I need for you is not to make that bad play. We don't need a fumble. Or we don't need a face mask with one point. We, we ain't losing a one-point game against the 49ers or Miami because we are not going to face mask you, bro. We coming up putting that helmet in your chest. Now, we may get a penalty for putting that helmet in your chest. <laughs> right. We ain't getting up for grabbing a face mask being out of position. Right. That's a mental thing that you have to think about. And mistakes happen, but not with – two minutes, three minutes left in the game, mental t- – he, he taught us that, bro. And our players – I used to be – like I said, I was one of them guys that were always having fun. Hey, Nate, hard count on two. <laughs> I'm serious. Right. Uh, Mark, Mark stepped nice to be like, hey, man, you know what to do. Troy call up. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark, we got this little thing we'll say. Boom, I know where he going. I know where I got to go. Remember the snap count. We didn't care if you knew. We didn't care. He gonna beat you. <laughs> but these dudes, that's what's hurting this team now. You got to care. I got to love Jesse. Jesse got to love me. And Jesse ain't gonna let me get in a bad way. And that's like, you know, you, you hear you, talking about Jimmy, and it's, you can kind of almost, and I wasn't there, but when right. you paint this picture, you can kind of see just the process yes. of just how Jimmy put this thing together. And it said, you know, like, here's what we got. And you, you know, you, if you listen to any of his interviews, he talked about when, we, when he first got to the Cowboys, this team is slow. This team ain't got no athletes. <laughs> this team ain't got no dogs. And he just, he just started saying, all right, I'm going to strip this down and I'm going to start inserting these athletes. And, and that's the thing about, because talent is everywhere. That's right. Talent is everywhere. And then it's the collection of talent putting them together and then being able to manage the talents in the locker room. And I think that you guys had a really good, you know, 
And he Who got rid talent? of coaches, too, and scouts. See, people don't talk about that. David Shuler had to go. I mean, he wasn't helping Troy. I mean, we had another kid uh, from Miami. I can't think of his name, but he wasn't helping Troy. And uh, Shuler had to go. And, I, and that was one of the greatest moves Jimmy ever made, getting rid of David Shuler. I, I, the man, is, he's, he's, his dad is a legend, but you wasn't your daddy. You know, and, <laughs> and so. Right. So, you, so Jimmy comes in, he changes the formation of this team, the attitude of this team, the approach of this team, and then the winning comes. And then you guys, you get, you get to the mountaintop. You get to the mountaintop. And I, I've never won a Super Bowl. I won a national championship in college right, and basketball. Right. So it's I, the same. I know the feeling. Yeah, it's the same. Right? I know that yeah. feeling of, of winning it all at the, at the highest level that you're playing at. But. But kind of just, if you can, walk us through, right, like that playoff run, you know, each week till you get to that point in the Super Bowl, like how confident. Because you go from not having it to now we're, we're, we're dead smack in the face of looking at a career changing. You win a Super Bowl, your, your life changes forever. The whole year, I think we played the Giants first, but the whole year, our media, local and national, I remember Chris Berman picking the 49ers to beat us in the NFC Championship game, but Jimmy wasn't hearing it. Jimmy was like, you know what, fellas? It's our time. Uh, we are who we are. We can beat these guys. And he was just pounding us with that. You know, he was always talking like we already won the game. He was, it was never if we do this, when we do this. This is the play that's going to do this. Norv talked that way. Uh, I can't Lawrence that talked that way. Everybody talked that way. You know, Nate, make sure you get this block here because we're going to do this right here. Get your head inside because we got to do it. It wasn't never that we was assuming that if we do this, it's like we're going to do this. To the point when we went up against them 49ers, Mike Irv, you know, Troy called the play. Mike Irv said, hold on, hold on. Hey, Alvin, get over here. <laughs> Because Mike wanted to make that big play. play. Yeah, he wanted to make the play. Next day, you know, Alvin yeah, streaking so, yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> and so when we won that game, it didn't dawn on me until Jimmy Holler, hey, what, how about them Cowboys? It didn't dawn on me how far and how quick. Now, it didn't seem quick over the two years, the first two years, when it was ugly. Ugly. But it didn't dawn on me to, like, we here. We are two weeks away from a Super Bowl. And – and I'm telling you, and it, 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 let me tell you how much Jimmy was prepared. He even told us, y'all guys don't even realize what y'all done done. You won't even realize it to us all over, yeah. years later. Now, I, when I think of like, I have to go to think like, I remember them two years before. Ugly. <laughs> Ugly. Where you were just cutting people. Right. People sitting in your locker. You come in on Monday and Tuesday, Jesse Holly sitting up in my locker. Hey, man, what's up? Oh, man, I'm here to work out. You're here to work out? <laughs> what, what position do you play? Offensive guard. <laughs> Can you imagine, bro? Right. Blind. You don't even see the competition. Right. You may be the start of the day and one bad play. And even if you steal a better player, he had a player that was equal to you that could take your place and not be missed. The only people that was secure in their position because they couldn't be equal was Troy, Emmett, and Mike, the triplets. and maybe Jay Novacek. These guys couldn't be duplicated. Right. But at, back when I played, me and Kevin Gogan and all these other guys were kind of interchangeable in their minds, mm -hmm. even though I thought I was better. Yeah. <laughs> we were all interchangeable. You know what I'm saying? Right. Only, and I think two of them were special. Yeah. That, that is the guy that got dogged, that got – Overlooked. Tuane was special. He played defensive line for the first two or three years at the Cowboys. And then moved from defensive line, playing, playing defensive line, to, to left tackle. Tua would make $800 million right now. If he, I'm serious. <laughs> right. 15 years. But anyway, right. I got a little sidetrack. No, 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 no. no. That's great, man. <laughs> and, and you talk about it, right? Like, like you hear the names. Like you guys had – you guys started the – the name, right? Like the like the to have 
most teams in 2023, they're built on the big names. Yes. Right? When you right. look back to where you guys were, it, it was like kind of the start of, yeah. I mean, you guys had a locker room with the triplets, Troy, Michael, and Emmett, right? And then you had Jay Novacek. And yeah. then you, at one point in time, you guys go on the other side, you got Charles Haley, <laughs> you got Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders yeah. you got Ken Norton, yeah. you got, yeah. who else is in there? Woody's in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you, you look at that cast of characters in the locker room, I, I, practice had to be crazy. Like practice had to like the competitive level James of practice. James Washington, I can't think of. We had this little dude, man. Probably big cat. Uh, big cat. No, but I'm talking about we had a safety that we got from the Steelers. This dude had to be what three foot five, a little <laughs> knot, but he was smart and would knock you out. Uh, I'm gonna tell you something. Jimmy knew talent. His coaches knew talent. So the scouts had to up their game because the coaches knew what type of defense Jimmy wanted to run. Uh, and you had to be in that ilk. Jimmy wanted speed, but at the key positions, he wanted toughness. That toughness had to be at your Mike Backer. That toughness had to be your two tackles, defensive tackles. Now your defensive ends, they, as long as they could just halfway stop the run, he was good with it because you, the thing is, he tried to funnel everything outside because his speed was going to keep you in check. Mm -hmm. Whereas now people like set the edge. Jimmy would halfway set the edge and dare you to turn the corner. You wasn't going to do it on our defense. Not with Darren Wilson running a 4-3-5. Right. Not with our pup coming up willing to tackle. With Larry Brown scared to death because he was a, a low <laughs> draft pick. He coming up to tackle because yeah. he don't want to lose his <laughs> yeah. job. Darren Wilson, uh, James Washington coming up. They're going to blast you, bro. You weren't going to outrun Ken Norton. It was not happening because Russell Maryland and Tony Casillas and uh, Chad Henry was going to keep them, them, um, uh, them guards off of them. So you weren't running outside on us. We dared you to come in the middle. That one happened. And so our whole mindset was you run in the middle, we're going to beat you to death. You run outside, we're going to run outside and last year you and rope you down. You still ain't gaining no yard. And you won passing the ball because we never had to take players off the field. A nickelback. Woody, Darren Wilson, who should be in the Hall of Fame, was our nickelback. Amen. Him Amen. and Kenny Gant, the shark. The shark. We, that, those are our nickel guys. Two safeties. Two safeties were our nickel guys. Come on, man. Nowadays, they bringing in like eight different guys. The ref got a hole up. So, hey, hold on. <laughs> Let them make an adjustment. Woody just fell down in the box. Yeah. And he won the run support. It was to cover Jerry Rice or John Taylor or whoever else you put down in there in that slot position. And then, it, come on, man, don't even get me started. Let's go, man. Wait, man, wanna, like when you yeah. say all these names, you think about right. just the level of talent that was in one, one <laughs> that was just That's crazy. Uh, so, all right, so you guys win the first one, then you go back to back, right? Now there's expectation. Yes, it was. Right? Like that, there, is, there is expectation, but then there's now there's change. Yes, it is. Because expectation is happening and things are like, you know, guys are now feeling a little bit tired, you know, um, uh, uh, entitled. But now you lose Jimmy. Yeah. After the second one, you lose yeah. Jimmy and, and things change. What was that like, right? You win your second one, and, and now you're on top of the world, and all of a sudden, the dynamics of who you are, the, the I'll say, I'll, for all intents and purposes, I'll say, I'll say the co-developer of the dynasty right. of the Cowboys, because right. I'll, I'll give Jerry his credit. Right. But, but we all know that a lot of it yeah. had to do, like you just said, yeah. just the talent evaluator of who Jimmy Johnson right. was is gone. Yeah. Like, in that moment... What is the feeling? Like, what, what is the feeling from Nate Newton? What is the feeling for the locker room? Is it, is it stunned? Is it like, what the hell just happened? We all were stunned. And could you see it coming? Like, could, like uh, we heard you see, whispers. You could see things kind no, of No, you just heard whispers. Time. You just heard whispers. Coach Johnson wasn't the best at just hiding stuff. Right. You know, he'll let things leak and whisper. You heard whispers. And so when it happened, you weren't totally shocked. But we, we, we lost our discipline. We lost our discipline that year. And we came back and won it a year, but we lost our discipline. And Troy, that burnt Troy. That burnt Troy because now he had to be a little bit more vocal. You know, and that wasn't who he was. That wasn't who he was, man. Troy just, 
uh, Jerry, I mean, excuse me, Jimmy was everything for him, you know, and all he had to do was just direct this ship, step up, say something when he needed to. The majority of the time, Jimmy was handling that business. Coach Swiss was not going to change anything, and he didn't, but we got a little bit looser. And then we gathered all we had for that last <laughs> Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So when we won that last Super Bowl, I knew it. I told my wife at that time, I said, Miss Dorothy, we through. It's over. I said, it's over. Thank you, Larry Brown. Not once, but twice. <laughs> <laughs> but this thing over with. I knew it was, dog. Yeah. And that was the end of that story. Yes, it was. Man, and, and, and you think about those times. And those three and four years, the players, the coaches, and, and I'm, I'm glad that you're here today because yeah. when this comes out, this, this upcoming weekend, right. Jimmy Johnson will be finally, finally yes. inducted to the Cowboys Ring of Honor. Right. Uh, which a lot of you guys said, boy, this is, this is long, long, long overdue. Just briefly kind of give me your feeling about when you heard the news and, and it's happening, and, and now everybody's kind of coming from near and far to gather in, in, in Dallas this weekend for, for Jimmy Johnson's induction. We, 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 we were doing a show, you know, we were doing a show, to one of the pregame shows, and they, and, uh, they was like, well, we don't want to, man, come on, man. Coach John's going, man, let's, 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 all, let's let, forget the game. Let's talk about this. Right, this right. here is huge. Right. This is huge, man. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, Coach Johnson, Mr. Jones was inseparable until that Costa's interview. And it just all You're talking about when, when Jimmy yeah. went and interviewed with yeah. uh, um, Costa and they asked, well, yes, yeah. was he, do you respect him at, at part? But anyway. When when I heard that, I was just so excited, man. I, I and to this, and like I told people, that I'm like, I, I ain't doing the show. If the show gonna conflict with me going to try to break in here, and jump the <laughs> fence, and get up in here and see coach, cause they all they want is, at first all they wanted was the, uh, the the Ring of Honor guys. Come on, man, the Ring of Honor guys. No, no. If it was 300 guys, it was 300 no name guys. It wasn't no ring on them. We didn't see Bob Lilly and all these dudes when we was out there doing them right. eight tour days. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When we open up the season, come on, bro. Think, look at him. We, and I'm talking about the guy like Dale Hellestray, Mike Saxon, Mark Tourney, uh, guys like that, where we had to open up. This was the beginning of practice. We were 8 o'clock, be taped, 9, 9.30, be on the field. Hey, Inside after we finish the inside run, right? We full gear. We ain't, I ain't seen any ring on the dudes out there full gear, getting bloody knuckles, getting beat up, ankles blowed out. Come on, I want to. I still, I'm still upset about that. We should have every guy that got cut from Jimmy as an example. <laughs> Curvin Richard should be here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? John Roper should be here for falling asleep in the meeting. Yeah. All these examples, man, that got cut. The, the, the prove Jimmy's point, they should be here. Like Michael Jordan did, like, hey, I want to invite y'all to the guy who made me who I am. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it, I, do, I forgot to say this before, but it, it, yeah. was, it was, uh, you know, we, you and I always joke about right. just in our, in our normal conversations, um, the difference, right? Because there's a difference, right? There, yeah. there, was a, there was a difference of Troy was, was different. Yes. Right? Emmett was different. Yes, they were. Mike Different. Yes. Dion, different. Right. Charles, different. Right. And uh, you know, it was it was a story. I think it was was it Eric Williams who was who was late to the meeting or miss went missing on the Super Bowl? Who, who it was, was Eric. It was Eric. It was Eric. Eric got, got got right up in there. He done <laughs> got right. <laughs> and every and every everyone talked about boy, if it was anybody else, you know, it's like Let me tell you this. Because right Jimmy quick, said like. Jimmy said what before the meeting? You, you guys get there and he's like, listen, if you ain't if you late, if you missing, you oh, Jimmy, you ain't playing. Oh, bruh. This Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. And so Eric done missed the whole meeting. He done got drunk and done got locked in his room <laughs> sleep. They can't even get in there. <laughs> and everybody, oh, my God. Oh, man, how are we going to do this without Big E? This was our tone setter and everything. And uh, Jimmy came in and Eric was sitting there and all the whole team there. And uh, Jimmy looked at him. You ready to play? <laughs> Are you ready to get going? He's like, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go. Shit, Jimmy, excuse me. Jimmy wasn't, 
Jimmy wasn't going to cut off his nose despite <laughs> his face to make nobody out there in them streets right. or the media feel good. <laughs> he did not care. And, but he also knew, like Coach Belichick is beginning to find out, you got to have players. Got to have players. And it's kind of it's yeah. basically like you know, hey, yeah. listen, everybody gets treated fairly, but not everybody gets it's treated the same. Say, yes, sir. Right? It was yes, like, listen, sir. I'm gonna treat everybody fair, but Troy gonna get a little different. Treatment. Yeah, yeah, Troy, you can go see, uh, you can go to concert, Nate. You need to be out there on the field running. Right, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> and so you know, you, you guys had a collection of just characters. Yes. Like, and when people ask me about chess, man, you played in the league and da da da. What do you miss the most? Yes. And it's never Sunday for me. Sunday was the after effect, right? Yeah, like that, yeah. that was the, oh, okay, we put the work in, we go yeah. out there, we beat somebody else up on Sunday. Right, right. But it, it was the locker room, the plane, the bus, all those, uh, all those other, you know, activities. I used to have to get on the defensive bus because on the offensive bus, they were too serious. So I get on the defensive bus with Dion and all them guys, me and Mike and all the jokers. Right. We would all get on the, on the defensive bus. And some of the defensive guys would get on the bus and look back there and see me, and they'll get on the offensive <laughs> bus. Because we was going to get at it, man. We were so unique. And what we could say to one another. And uh, it, we had our issues with race. We had our issues with with people's wives, we had our issues with mothers. We, I, we had what every other team in America has. My wife don't like your wife. We had all of that. Yeah, but we with, made I had a issue with yeah, scissors too. Yeah. Scissors getting the wrong hands of certain yeah. guys in the locker room. They might. But bro, we had a pack <laughs> with one another as teammates. Don't none of that matter when it come to us. If I said something wrong to your wife. I'm going to go to her and I'm going to apologize. I think I said something out of line one time to Russell Maryland's wife. He said, Nate, you said something wrong. You need to apologize. Ma'am, I am truly sorry. You know, I, you, I will never say it again. And for this conversation, it is over. Because Russ, not his wife, but Russ meant that much to me. To Even if I meant what I said to her, it, 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 Russ made it better than that. You... I don't know if it's a genuine love out there for teammates like that now. Uh, but one thing I did not want to do is not be able to come and sit down, not be able to sit down with Russ, uh, not be able to sit down with Troy, and not be able to sit down with Big E. That, no, no. I, 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 to this day, any of my teammates say, hey, I don't like Nate. I'm, I'm definitely want to know why. And if I can apologize or make it better, I'm going to do it because Bro, what we what we done, ain't too many people can do. Yeah, and not the and way not we did it. Not too many people have done it. Yeah, I mean, like not you, the way we did you take, it. You take the page out of the picture. Not too many people have done teams, organizations, franchises. Have well, done see, they it. don't love each other like. See, Grunk and Tom love each other, and maybe the little wide receiver love, it, but they ain't got that love we got. I promise you, they don't. Cause the 49ers didn't have that love for one another that we had. They, they didn't. Nah, bro. We the creators of the White House. We the creators of of of, of the of the the little bars we used to hang out. These bars still in place, bro. Yeah. We was the ones down there on Harry Hines and bringing it to a new light. <laughs> we the Dallas Cowboys. Now whether you I, like it or not, right. like I tell you, when we when we do our sh other show, I said whether it's wrong or right, how Coach Johnson treated people. That is for me not. That ain't for me to decide. That's for U.S. fans to decide. But guess what? It's three Super Bowl rings behind all of that. And I ain't saying to make it right or wrong. It's just how it was at that time. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, it, it was it's, – it's still talked about, right? We're, yeah. we're talking about 27, 28 years ago. Right. Right? And it's – people are still talking about it today. Today. Like, that is the impact that that, that team, yeah. those group of men had on – the franchise of the Cowboys, because the Cowboys aren't who they are today. If that, if you guys, if that doesn't happen, and now they are this big conglomerate now, still trying to chase. They're still chasing the ghost. Like do you think about it, they're still chasing the ghost yeah. of who you guys were. Like, How about them boys? That, like that is yeah. That's a that's a that's a great thing, man. And now we have Coach Johnson. He's headed into 
the Ring of Lionel Honor, man. Uh, you know, this Saturday, I, I think that's, we all know, it's it's long, 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 yes. long, long, long. Um, the guy you um, love to hate. <laughs> yeah, Coach Johnson was the guy you love to hate. I'm telling you. Was he the greatest coach that you ever played for? For you. Yes. You know, I, I, I love Coach Landry, but I, I, I didn't know him. I got close to him like I did Coach Johnson. Coach Johnson didn't let you get too close, but you saw enough of him if he liked you to see that he was human. Upon all that focus, he was human. Whereas I could never get close to Coach Landry. But I, I love who he is, man. So it's a, you know, Coach Johnson and Coach Landry right there. And I'm telling you, Coach Switzer, I'm down with him too. We, I, I played for some great coaches, brother. I played with some great coaches. And, and speaking of playing for great coaches, you were a consistent topic of discussion for, if not, he was a great coach as well, but probably one of the greatest announcers of all time, and John Madden. Oh, he made me, bro. John Madden, and, and this is a time where no social media, right? It was yeah. newspaper, yeah. right? TV wasn't really big. You didn't have the right. ESPN, the 24-hour sports cycle That's that was right. always going around. It was when, when you turned on the TV and you saw uh, uh, John Madden and – of course, it's always about the quarterback. It's always been about the quarterback. Uh, and maybe a receiver, maybe a running back. But John Madden saw fit that, you know what? I, I'm going to make the big boys. Right. Something special. Something special. I'm going to make the big boys a part of the national conversation. And I would say, and most people would say, and probably John Madden would say, God rest his soul, you were the guy. Yeah. You were you was his guy. Yes. John Madden loved some Nate Newton. And right. Nate Newton loved some John Madden. How did that make you feel? Like when you because again, you 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 you're like me in the sense of you understood your value. Yes. But you also understood, yeah, there's other guys that I'm blocking for, that I'm keeping the defenders off right. of, and other dude on the outside. They gonna get all the pub. Right. We laugh and joke about it now. Right. You be like, man, Michael Irvin, you don't want to do that. Michael, but like, nah, I ain't doing that. You be like, I do for five thousand. You know what I'm saying? You, but it, it was a point in time where you were as important as the big dog, the triplets, right. the big names from a dude that till this day you don't give offensive linemen a lot of love. Right. But John Matten changed that for you and for the big dogs for the right. for the hogs up front. Like, talk about that relationship between you and John Matten. I, I met Coach Madden. I went to the stadium. I normally never go to the stadium early. We was in Giant Stadium. And I went to the game early. You know how you got two buses, mm -hmm. the early bus and then the bus that gets you there about an hour and a half before. Right. I used to get on that bus. But that day I got on the early bus. And I got kind of lost in Giant Stadium. And so I wind up going up the elevators. I wind up getting to these elevators that takes the, the, the uh, announcers up to the – so I'm looking, and I see this crowd of people coming. Here, here. I'm like, wow, that's John Madden. And so I'm like, I'm going to meet John Madden. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you, know, you know, when you're a free agent, you don't know whether right. you're going to be here or not. So I'm like, I'm going to meet John Madden. Yeah. So uh, I said, Coach Madden, how you doing? And he looked at me and said, how you doing, Nate Newton? Uh, he said, yeah, I know who you are. He said, your coaches spoke pretty good of you. He said, uh, just keep playing, man. He said, you can play. I, I'm like, wow. I said, the day I'm going, I, I know he may not call my name because, you know, but I'm finna go out here and ball out. And, man, I got off that field that day. I don't know if we won the game or lost the game. <laughs> but my boy like, man, John Madden was talking about you, man. Oh, he just talking great things about you. Boy, you uh. – and from that day on, man, he would come to the Cowboys. And um, I want to speak to Nate New. And he would come bring me in. And even if I went on the main list – I would wait till everybody leave, and I would bring them sandwiches, and I would do this. And bro, oh, oh, come on, man, man! I would go on the bus, meet all these people. Oh, yeah. Well, and then after the games, I would take my mom and dad if they come in town. I would take them on the bus, and Coach Madden. And then Coach Madden told me one time, he said, "Man, always keep your Sundays. Always keep your Sundays. Always play football." One time, I said, "Coach, I don't understand what you're saying." I don't understand because you know one day I'm going to get cut. Right, right. He said, nah, Nate. He said, nah. What I mean by always keep your Sundays, always be working, always have something to do. Always keep your Sundays. 
you, you're a football player now, but there's maybe other things you can do. Always keep your Sundays. And so I never forgot that. And so when I had a chance to do what we're doing here, yeah. we're keeping our Sundays, Jess. Yeah. We, how many years have you been out of football? How many years have we still keeping our Sundays? Football is our life. Whether we want, we, like, you can talk other sports as fluently as you do football, but this is, this is it. This is your Sundays, yeah. man. Yeah. And so I keep my Sundays, you keep your Sundays. <laughs> and I'm all on to mine every long as Jerry want to pay. <laughs> Believe that. Yeah. We appreciate that, Mr. Jones, because you do. <laughs> yeah, you, you do make sure we are. We've, yeah. we've been we've been we've been taking care of for a long, long time. Long, yeah, long time. You know. All right, let's let's kind of transition into what the Cowboys are now, right? We we're, we're, we've we've pushed past yeah. Super Bowl, and it's been it's been a long time, right? And you've been around for the ups and downs, for the coaches, for the players. Where do you see? this football team today, the current state of the Cowboys, and they get ready to take on the Detroit Lions, but where do you see the current state of the Cowboys? When you look at this team, does this team have it, the it factor? We hear all the time the it factor. Does this team have it to be in Vegas in February? Uh, I'm going to just say it like this because I've been a Cowboy fan all my life. Mental toughness they are lacking. They're lacking mental toughness, whether you want to call it the id or whatever words you want to use, Brother Jess. The Cowboys are lacking mental toughness. You have talent. You have coaches that can help you get in place. You are lacking in mental toughness. When you can't win on the road and you're as talented, equal, you know my thing, if you have equal or better talent and you can't win, that's mental toughness, to detail, to being who you are. If it's, it's a, not being physical don't bother me because you have the talent. But now what does bother me is a face mask. What does bother me is an illegal formation. All of these things that fumble last week don't even bother me. All that bothers me is you got three minutes and 27 seconds left. You have an opportunity to win a game because you're up by one point. And the first thing we do is get a face mask. No, that is a lack of mental discipline. That is a lack of uh, intestinal fortitude. And until they get that, you can get the most talented players in the world. If you don't clean up your act, it ain't going to never happen for you. Is that coaching? Is it players? Is it both? It's both, man. It's both? It's both. Uh, we can't continue to brag on Mike McCarthy. We can't continue to brag on Dan Quinn and say how good of coaches they are, how great of schemers they are. It comes down to a point, and I, and I say this on our shows, and I'm saying this on your unfiltered. That quit being friendly. It's C.D. Lamb. It's Tony Pollard. There's Cook. There's Ferguson. Throw them the ball. Hand them the ball. The offensive line is, is not as good as it once was. So why not give it to your better players at the skill position? Michael Parsons has to find a way to overcome the obstacles. I don't care you talk all you want, son. You do what you want. You and your world. This is not my world anymore. But you got to find a way to make plays at critical times in the game. Osa number 97. You have to find ways to make plays. That is about a little bit of extra film study knowing who your opponent is, and being mentally tough. It, you know, Mike Irvin, I was, it ain't about what's below the neck. It's about what's above the neck because we're almost all equal. The only thing that separates us is maybe a little better scheme and the willingness to do it. Yeah. Brother, I thank you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah. You're my dog. You already know that, man. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, guys, man. The great He tight on money now. He ain't going to oh, give no. you none. I ain't. <laughs> Y'all know I ain't. I'm, I'm, I'm all about keeping as much as I possibly can. I love it for that. I, I love can. it for that. Because Mike Irvin the same way. I know what it is to be broke. I know what it is to be broke, and I don't want to go back to that, man. But, uh, but Nate, thank you, brother. Thank I appreciate you, bro. that, man. And, and uh, thank you. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for being a part of this. Thank you guys for being here. I'm always so gracious and grateful for you, man. So uh, until next time, remember, this is, uh, this is what you can do. Remember, never let anyone tell you that their lives is better than yours because it is absolutely your life. All right. Eliminate the contingencies. We out.